Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Video segments of this and other episodes of the podcast can be found at Sales Leadership United, hosted on Patreon. Think of Sales Leadership United like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's a comprehensive resource for sales leaders with over 100 hours of tools, training, and insights sorted and tagged into every category you might need to help you become an elite sales leader. A private podcast, sales leadership training, sales meeting insights, video insights, and much more are waiting for you to check out at Sales Leadership United. Don't reinvent sales leadership. Tap into proven tools and techniques used by many of today's most successful sales leaders and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from this week's sales leader who's making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Listen, this podcast is growing faster right now than it ever has. We had by far the most downloads in January than in any other month in show history. And I am pumped and I am grateful for this. And it's because of you, our listeners, sharing the show with so many others. And it's because we also keep getting amazing guests on the show. And today will be no different. I hope you will enjoy this guest just as much as I am as excited to have him. I am pumped to introduce Brandon Fluherty, Vice President of Strategic Account Solutions for Live Person. Now, Brandon and his team sell SaaS to the world's largest brands, and they do so with head-turning success. This is a dude that we can learn a lot from. Brandon's success, Brandon's focus as a leader is simple. He wants to help those he works with have more success and earn more than they ever have just without burning out. Now, that's a really big topic right now. And that's something I can't wait to chew on with them for a while because it's that simple. Brandon has learned you don't have to give up all the things that make you you in order to have successful. And he's not an armchair quarterback either. He uses a sales operating system that he developed for his own personal success. And now he shares it with others to help them have the same success he's enjoyed in his career. Now, Brandon's a person that I have followed for a while now. I've learned a ton from. It's someone I look forward to reading the things that he shares. His outlook on achieving more and avoiding burnout is something every single sales leader can benefit from. I am pumped to bring Brandon on the show this week to talk about some things that I think are more important right now than they have ever been. I'm excited to introduce Brandon for what I'm sure will be a fantastic conversation. Brandon, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining me. Rob, thanks for having me. I, uh, I've been excited for this one, Brandon. Um, your outlook on what it takes to win and have the best years of your life and, and to focus on the whole person and not just the salesperson you understand, ever since we scheduled this conversation, I've been counting down the days so we get you on. So, so you know, <laughs> excuse my ex- excitement, but I'm pumped to have you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I know it's a hot topic. So, yeah, I can't wait to talk about it. In fact, let's, yeah, before we get going and, and well, actually, you no, know, I want you to do that first. Why don't we start by having you introduce just yourself, what you're doing at Live Person, and what you guys do for your customers? 
Sure. Uh, I've been with Live Person just a little over four years now, and we're a leader in the conversational AI space. So, nice. you know, really, we help really large brands, Fortune 100 level brands, to make it easier to communicate with their customers at scale. And uh, we do that in a curiously human way, meaning we don't think that bots or chatbots should exist. Uh, in the, the laboratories of, of IT departments, we think it needs to be brought up to the, the front lines where humans know how to have good conversations. So we, we help enable folks in the contact center or those on the front lines who are selling you know, the, the, the products in stores. We enable them with really easy to use technology so that uh, customers can either buy things or get the help that they need uh, when they need it. Nice. Okay. Awesome. I mean, I love that curiously human label that you put on it. It made me smile, made me jot it down. <laughs> and maybe sometime we'll, we'll come back again and we'll talk about how to be curiously human and what we do with our customers. Cause I think that's super insightful. Absolutely. But I also love finding out from the guests that we have on the show. And we've got about 20,000 sales leaders that listen to the show every month now. Um, most of them are, are kind of like what I will describe to you as accidentally involved. They didn't grow up thinking they're going to yeah. be in sales or sales leaders, but then you become intentionally successful because you fall in love with what I believe yeah. is the greatest profession in the world, right? That's right. Can you just give us like the very high level? How, how'd you fall into sales, man? And what made you fall in love with it? <laughs> I fall in that camp as well. I, I did not go to school for, for sales. Like many of us, I happened into sales and I, and I, I joke all the time. I was, I've been very mediocre in everything that I do, but I've been able to create these exceptional experiences uh, in my life through something we'll, we'll talk about, this, this concept of a personal operating system. But really, I, I had aspirations to be a professional athlete um, in my what early- sport? What sport? I got to know. Soccer. Soccer. Okay. So I spent time in, in Europe with the first division club in Eastern Europe trying to win a contract, left school early, left college early. And um, unfortunately, ran into some injury issues, but oh, man. definitely uh, I, was, I was not the best player in college. I was not the best player growing up. I was good, um, but it was really through this you know, idea of you know, being dreaming big, um, this, this idea of, of being bold. Um, I was able to, to put myself work ethic, grit, resilience, um, being smart, strategic, those were things that put me, that landed me in front of uh, a European club that gave me a chance. Um, and I, I spent a year and a half over there and I loved every minute of it. Um, unfortunately, you know, you know, with the injury issues that forced me to, to rethink, I, I went back to school, um, eventually settled in the New York area and uh, actually fell in love with another passion of mine. Uh, your readers, or excuse me, your your listeners might not be able to see it behind me, but I have a pair of uh, turntables back there. I, nice, uh, yeah, baby. Uh, living in New York City uh, as a, as a young twenty something, very expensive city, so I needed to supplement my income. So I taught myself how to DJ, put myself on Craigslist, got uh, gigs, got parties, got residencies in in the city, and I was able to supplement my income. And, um, you know, kind of learned my craft as I went and, um, I thought I was going to start a DJ business, uh, that didn't quite work out. Um, but ironically the, the company that I started to learn how to DJ, uh, was co-founded by Jam Master Jay, 
of wow. Run DMC. Yeah. Uh, he started a scratch. He started Scratch DJ Academy. So that's where I learned. Um, but they also happen to place DJs in these unique places, uh, like in gyms and retail locations. And I started getting books by them. And it started growing. And uh, actually, that was my first sales job because they were hiring for an account manager to help book these interesting um, programs. And uh, so that was my first foray into sales. So I jumped into sales working for this company um, and then eventually chose. I, I met my girlfriend at the time, now wife. She was finishing up nursing school. Uh, we'd both been living in New York City and uh, wanted to try something else. So we moved to a small town in Florida where she grew up, Sarasota. And uh, it was supposed to be a year experiment, but this was back in 2008 when the financial crisis hit. We never owned a home. It was a great time for us to buy a home. So we bought a home and here we are. What, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. Rest is history. That's awesome, man. I love your story. Thank you for sharing it. Uh, so, so how, how true to life is the Ted Lasso scenes that you've seen now as a guy who's played <laughs> over there in, in the European leagues? <laughs> it, it's very uh, entertaining. It's, it's a bit go. exaggerated, <laughs> but uh, they, they do have some details that are, are, are pretty accurate. That's awesome. And I love your, your connection with the DJ experience. And uh, for our list, you know, just so you know, our members of Sales Leadership United get video clips from this. And so they'll be looking at that killer uh, scratch system you got back there. That's pretty cool. So um, <laughs> we put that on Sales Leadership United. So thank you for that. I, I appreciate it. Listen, let's get into it, man. Last year, my, my podcast had massive success. And the number one downloaded episode of the year was Garland Vance. He's a PhD that specializes in burnout. And it was interesting to me how that blew away all other episodes. It really wasn't even close, the number of downloads. And he, he's not a sales leader. What yeah. I like and what's so excited about it with you is you are an expert in understanding how to overcome burnout, but you are doing it from a sales leader's perspective. And yep. so I'm very excited. Like our, our listeners are in for a real treat. So let's just start with that. Um, yeah. We're at the beginning of the year. Um, as we record this, it's the first week. It's like Feb it's very beginning of February. Um, if you're on the calendar year, you're a month in, if your fiscal year is like a lot of SaaS companies and others that uh, you go through January, you're right at the beginning. Um, everybody's getting goals right now, right? We're all, yep. every company's pushing the more button. That's how we yep. get rewarded is, you know, and, and that's not a bad thing. We all should know as salespeople, our job is to fuel the growth of a company. It's not to maintain status quo, it's to grow. So yep. we, we don't fear the more button. Yep. But let's be honest, sometimes that more button causes challenges. And yep. especially if you're already a high performing team, because they say, man, Brandon, I already gave you everything I get. I had last year, man. I, I worked my ass off. Yep. I, I, I have nothing left. I don't know how I'm going to get 20, 25% more. Right. And, and they think this either or now I'm going to shut up and I can't wait to start. If I'm going to get my 25% growth in the professional side, I'm going to have to sacrifice things like my home life. Yeah. my personal things that I love or whatever it is, it's just either, or I got to choose professional or personal. And, yeah. and I think that that's the definition of the grind, man. Yeah. And you're so different than that. So I, that's why yeah. I want to start there. I'm going to shut up. Can you kind of talk about success is more than just the grind? Yeah. Um, I'll take a step back first because I had to learn the hard way. So I, I was in the constant hamster wheel of hustling and grinding um, as I was growing up throughout my, my career. You know, started you know, after I left New York City, I had to start with 
selling $45 print ad space to local bars, you know, here in Florida. So I was selling into SMB and then eventually found my way into mid-market and then enterprise, then strategic selling, and now helping, helping others. Um, and really what changed everything for, for me there, I mean, there were some big milestones. I had, uh, an anxiety panic attack, mm. um, in front of a customer early in my career. Wow. Um, uh, I had a, a mini stroke, um, in my early thirties, uh, with no known causes. So when, when I look back at that time, how hard I was just working around the clock and that was the only thing I could point to that, Hey, you need to start slowing down here. Unfortunately, still didn't learn my lessons, but it was, it was when the pandemic hit. Um, and that was a crucial moment when, you know, coming off of an extraordinary year, one of the biggest years of my personal career in 2019 and a lot of lofty goals that I was putting myself under pressure heading into 2020 pipeline, um, you, you know, was, was thin, had to rebuild it. Um, but after the initial shock and awe of COVID and new business sort of being put on halt, um, I felt calm, almost invigorated, um, because it, it gave me, it, it was a big reminder for me that I started operating uh, a few years back on this concept of, of, of a theme um, instead of specific goals. And it, it reminded me, hey, okay, now's the time to really double down on this, this idea of, of how you operate um, and how you consistently operate at, at elite, yeah, at sort of an elite level consistently. And so what I started sort of doing myself and then eventually sharing with others was um, controlling, you know, focusing on what we can control. So, um, you know, very, very, you know, nothing uh, groundbreaking here, but I really started focusing on, hey, let's, I can't control code. I can't control these macro events. I can't control what's happening around me. But what I can control is how I react to these things or how I perhaps start my day or how I end my day. So I got back into falling in love with just the process, the process of growth, the process of falling in love with learning and development. And then I just started systemizing those things. And then in addition to that, I, I really felt like I was almost transported back to my professional athletic environment days because, you know, back then I had, you know, my head coach, I had my assistant coach, I had, um, you, you strength and conditioning coaches, people helping with flexibility, people helping with your mindset, people helping with how you talk to the press, how you manage your money. And I was always curious of like climbing the ranks in sales. I'm like, where is this in sales? And, and what it reminded me of, well, why don't we bring that into sales? And so I, I really started doubling down because I had a consistent schedule. I wasn't on a plane every week or every other week, jumping time zones. And so I started doubling down and saying, okay, can I measure performance in a different way, in a more humanistic way 
that wasn't all about the sales activity, but more about how well rested I was. So I started looking at things like sleep, um, how satisfied I was at the end of the day. What was my mood like? And I actually just started putting this thing in a simple tracker and I just started tracking these things. And what I found were better leading indicators for how successful I was in a day or a week was were sort of those things, how happy I was, how satisfied I was, how focused I was on deep work instead of back-to-back Zoom calls. I started pruning my, my calendar and, and started really putting my time towards meaningful things that truly move the needle. And so here I was starting to get more sleep. So I was just overall in a better mood. I started pruning my, my calendar and I started focusing more on going deeper with customers, deeper with team members and helping level them up. And then overall, I would just you know, make sure I hit personal things. Like, did I meditate? Did I, I work out for the day? Did I write one thing that I was grateful for? So I just put this all in a, a tracker, a Google sheet, and I started tracking it and uh, you know, was able to close more in 10 months during the pandemic than I did the, the, the previous two years prior. Wow. What do you attribute closing? I mean, that's an interesting thing. That's a killer thing to say. I mean, you're selling SaaS. A lot yeah. of people had a hard time refiguring out really fast, like what you did that year was an interesting year for a lot of people. I love what you just shared. You did significantly more in fewer months. If you were to point to one or two things, can you do that? Or is it all of the things? Is there a couple of things that stand out? Yeah. So I, I started to really shift away from very specific targets and goals. Um, I was already doing that anyways, but I really doubled down on less about playbooks and more about frameworks because mm. I feel like one of the best things that we can do as sales leaders is help sellers think and solve problems, not follow orders, right? Who does the playbook really serve? It serves the rev ops uh, leader who, who authored it, right? Um, who, who might not even have skin in the game, who might not even have um, experience sitting across the table from a fortune seven level CEO. So when, when you're talking about seven figure, eight figure transformation deals that, that I was accustomed to selling and, and what we sell here at live person, um, we need to be able to think and, and we need to be able to pivot. And so I came up with three frameworks that really started to guide my year. And then I broke down that year into what I was considering the single unit of success in that year, which was the single workday. So the, the, the three things, not that we need more acronyms in sales, but the, the first one is temper. I need to, and, and everybody should manage their temper. So temper stands for uh, time, energy, motivation, priorities, and the right focus. So I look at temper and it's, it's awesome that you're, it's early February right now. This is stuff that we need to really be doing at this time of the year, January, early February, as we're putting out plans, as we're, we're getting our sales folks, their comp um, plans, and, and, and they need to start strategizing on who they're going to talk to and why. But temper is 
Am I spending the right amount of time on my key project, my key accounts and activities, revenue generating activities? Energy, am I harnessing ample energy for, for those key accounts and activities? Um, if not, right, how can I get be better well-rested or how can I get more sleep uh, at, at night? Um, motivation, what are the accounts and what are those uh, activities that motivate me the most? I need to have intrinsic motivation as a seller versus just being told, hey, follow this stick. Uh, follow this carrot, um, or you're going to be penalized. We need less fear-based and more intrinsic-based motivation. We're going to come then, back to that one when we're done with this. Yeah. Uh, okay. Keep going. This is this is killer. This is fire, man. Yeah. The P of temper is priorities. priorities. So, you know, am I prioritizing my day around what motivates me? So they're all sort of interconnected. And then R. Um, Am I applying the right focus to my priorities? So again, I look at temper. That's the compass of how I decide, how I make decisions. Um, And then uh, another framework, another acronym here is DFC. And this is how I underpin every single workday, which is I want to be disciplined at the, the start, and this could also apply really anything that has a beginning, middle, or end, but you know, it could be a sales meeting, it could be a sales cycle, just about anything. Yep. But at the start, you want to be disciplined like a world-class athlete. Why? Because they know how to prep themselves physically and mentally and even emotionally to be ready for intense training or competition. So I'm going to cut in here, dude. Don't, yeah. don't forget we're on F because I, I want to come back, but I, yeah. you know, it's interesting. I, one of the, the most common pieces of criticism that people give me is I use too many sports analogies <laughs> and, and it happens a lot. I get yeah. it, but yep. I believe we are all sales athletes and I'll tell you why there's one yep. winner and everyone loses in every pursuit. Right. It, it, and, and so I like that. I think the closest thing to being a professional athlete is being a professional seller seller because of what you just said. So I love, discipline like a world-class athlete. Yeah. Thank you for that. And keep rolling, baby. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it is funny because I, I talk a lot about that as well. It's my natural background. And, and we do talk a lot about that, that salespeople are the, the athletes in the business world. And I, I, I do subscribe to that, but it's interesting. I have different personas for each of these flavors. So discipline is, is the athlete. And then during the middle of the day, you need to be flexible like a creative artist. And I think of, you could think of, I don't know, um, maybe like an improv comedian. Um, I, I liken that one a lot. About why? Because you might get a heckler in the crowd who might put anyone off unless you're a pro, but a, a, an improv comedian, a really good one, um, can almost take it in their stride and then turn that into the act. It's adaptiveness. Uh, I love it. Exactly. It's being adaptable. Exactly. Because you can't control everything that happens during the middle of your workday or the middle of a a really important meeting, right? That C-level executive might push back on something you're presenting. How are you going to adapt with it out 
without it all falling apart. So you've got to be flexible. And a part of being flexible is being in the moment, being in the zone, being in flow state. Mm. And, and so you got to be in tune with that. And then at the end of the day or at the end of that meeting or demo, you need to be curious. And the best people who are curious are scientists. So you need to be like that world-renowned scientist who doesn't look back on what just happened with emotion. No, they look back on the data. And, and really, any information you get, a response from a prospect or a customer, it's simply a data point. They might be angry, and you don't have to discern why they're angry. They might push back with, um, oh, I don't believe that, but it's just a data point. So you got to look back on everything objectively, not with emotion, so that you can tinker and, and ask yourself, well, how could I have presented that information slightly different? Or what could I have done better in my day? I set out to do these things, but I didn't do them. Why? Or this went really well. How do I repeat these things? And then that leads into the third um, framework, which is how you execute every single day, which is PREP. And PREP stands for plan, rest, effort, and perform. So it's very simple. I plan out tomorrow as the last thing that I do uh, in the workday today. That way I can get everything out of my head and uh, you know, dump it into my trusted system so that things aren't nagging at me. Uh, and I'm not looking at my phone. I can literally have rules that say, hey, put the phone down so I can be present in other areas of my life. This, again, leads to preventing that burnout that is so pervasive because we think we have to be connected. No, rest is, is when I need to recover and be with the family, be with my hobbies and be in tune with that. And that allows me to sleep well at night. So I actually have energy for E effort tomorrow because I've already planned out everything. Now I can execute. And now you can be selective about executing on your most important task because you already know your temper. You already know how you want to spend your time, energy, what's motivating, what your priorities are, what your, your right focus should be on early in the day before maybe you've even checked your email or you've had that first meeting. Because before we defaulted, and I was guilty of this too, defaulting to being reactive. We would start and default in our inboxes. Um, and, and that would sort of guide how we worked. But you're in reactive mode. You're giving away your temper, your time and energy. You're giving away um, that to others. And so by completing that most important task and putting your, your complete intense effort behind it, you're able to move the needle on what's important. And then finally, the last P, perform, you look back and you, again, uh, like with that curiosity, you measure that performance, not on emotion. Ah, I should have landed that deal. They're stupid for not choosing us or our competitor. They, they undercut us on price. No, you just look back objectively on data. What could I have done better that was in my control? And uh, what did I do well that I can repeat? And all together, you combine that and you use the right tools to keep you on track 
this is how you develop a personal operating system that helps you every single day get better and better and better. And you're moving that needle and it doesn't even feel like it, but 30 days down the road, 90 days down the road, all of a sudden you're crushing your numbers. You're surpassing your quota because you're not thinking about those things. You're just thinking about how do I manage my temper? How do I underpin that with DFC, discipline, flexibility, curiosity, and how do I execute with, with prep? plan, rest, effort, perform. I can control all of those things. Everything else needs to fall by the wayside. And if everybody in the organization was doing that, guess what? You're, you're leveling up as, a, as an organization, as a team, as a company. Everybody's almost guaranteeing themselves success and satisfaction. Those are really the two things that we look for as high performers. How do I be successful in my craft? And how do I feel satisfied with my life because I've integrated it around the important things that that are meaningful to me? Randy, this is awesome, man. It takes a lot to shut me up. And I have (laughs) just been here. I've burned through two full pages of notes on this. I got, I I love this three-part operating system. And I've been a big believer in frameworks for a long time because I think that frameworks allow people to be authentic to them rather yeah. than trying to become someone that they aren't. And yes. when I work with leaders, it's the same thing. I, I, I say, let's build a framework and then let's help those members of your team apply the framework in a way it works for them. So, so I, I love all of this. There's two things that I, I want to dive into. The first one I want to dive into, you talked about a couple of times in your frameworks. It's, it's this evaluation and, and the use of metrics and objectivity mm-hmm. and I believe that when someone truly chooses growth rather than just working hard with this, I want, I want to make this clear to our listeners because you and me have talked about this already. When I say growth, I'm not talking about growth in sales. I'm talking about personal growth that as a result will create professional growth. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. And when you choose professional growth second and personal growth first, and you truly have made that choice and you clearly have, because not only have you done it, you've got like systems around it and man, you're like, this is my idea of dirty talk, man, because I, I subscribe to what uh, the creator of Dilbert said, Scott Adams, where he says, <laughs> losers have goals, but winners have systems. You probably heard yep, that. That's right. That's You're exactly all systemized, it. man. I love this. Yeah. These We could hang up right now. We could end this right now and our listeners would be better off, but I'm going to be jealous. I'm going to take advantage of these next 20 minutes that we got. And we're going to dive into a little more. Let me finish. What I was going to say, I have found that when people truly choose growth, everything becomes feedback everything becomes feedback. And I love how you have multiple places that you look for it. Cause I have heard a lot of people say either I win or I learn. And I actually think that's short-sighted. I think you learn always, you should always learn. You know, if you only learn when you lose, then, then I think you're missing some of the biggest learning moments. Can, can you talk a little bit more about that intentional feedback and the way that you like, let the whole world turn into feedback? Yeah. Um, So we can we can win and we're successful but we may not be satisfied with everything that's that's happening so that's that was the big change when the when the pandemic flipped that switch i was already successful i was doing all the things but but what i what the pandemic allowed me to do was go a bit deeper go a bit more internal with myself and ask myself those reflective questions like why am i doing what i do 
And because it allowed me to escape some of those hustle and grind um, you know, approaches to, to success, I was able to now integrate success with satisfaction, true satisfaction, true satisfaction as a person, not just on top of the leaderboard, president's club, teams performing well. I'm talking real life satisfaction. Hey, I am moving closer to the really important things in my life, my true North Star. And I think that's the magical place. And you're, you're absolutely right. We can learn from success, but we also have to, to understand that success is just one piece. We need, we're a whole people. I, I, I say all the time, human first, seller second. And when I started optimizing around the human elements first, naturally the sales performance rose, it accelerated and it got bigger. And so that's why I'm so bullish on talking about, Hey, we don't have to work around the clock. I'm not saying you don't have to work hard. I actually work very hard, if not harder than a lot of hustlers, but that work is not based out of fear because I'm fearing of losing my job or somebody telling me to do it. That's hustling. I'm working on my craft. I am working on being a better overall in everything that I want to do. And I'm integrating it so that I have momentum every single day and it pushes me forward. The system pushes me forward. So I want to put a pin in this because I want to spend a, a couple of minutes on this one. I, I think this is, I'm looking at my time to make sure that I leave time to talk about the one thing I want to go back to, because this is a killer one. I think if leaders do what you just said, leaders, like here's my, my 60 seconds. I love to go on hikes. I live in Utah. There's lots of beautiful hikes around here. My jam is to go in the spring, summer, fall, and be looking for waterfalls. There's so mm-hmm. many waterfall hikes. One of Love my best it. buddies, I asked him to come with me. He always like, dude, I'm not going to go on friggin' hikes looking at waterfalls. <laughs> He's like, send me the picture when you're done. That's what he always does. Okay. <laughs> Until the fall comes and in the fall, everything changes. And I'll tell you why, Brandon, yeah. this guy is a hunter. He loves to go hunting elk and I don't even own a gun, but I'll go, you know, I hang out with him, and, and he'll say two weeks before he goes or three weeks before he goes, Hey, Jepson, I, I need you to come. We're going scouting. I'm like, what do you mean? We're going scouting. And we go up and we set up camp and we go through way harder hikes. We're climbing mountains, going down ravines. We're like peering through binoculars, looking for herds of elk so we can see where they sleep, where do they eat. I'll, I could talk to you for hours about it. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm going to have a harder hike. I'm not going to go <laughs> see a waterfall. I'm going to see some elk, but we're not going to get any. We're just going to go look at them. And yeah. then, you know, he takes notes. He writes it all down. He like makes his whole plan for his hunt. Yeah. That scouting is a big part. And then he goes and yeah. does it all over again. Trying to get, yeah. and, and if he does get an elk, then there's the whole problem of how do I get it to a place where I can get a truck to get it out of there? Like there's yeah. all kinds of challenges. I'm always thinking, why won't you go to a waterfall? The answer <laughs> is he's not chasing waterfalls. He doesn't give a right. shit about them. If you, yeah, like, yeah. But but when he does, when you're chasing something, yeah, all of a sudden the chase, and that's why I bring it back to sales leaders. If you can find out what they're chasing, I love how you said I'm chasing my craft. I'm chasing this. Right. right. You are willing to give it more, and it's not a grind at that point because. Yeah. Like your chase should make the hair on the back of your neck stand up a little bit. You're so excited right. about it, right? Right, right. Yeah, so, yeah. So I love that, man. Any final thoughts on that before I go back to the other thing? Yeah, and and I think the really the the best thing that we can do as leaders is help each of our sellers find that personal internal 
intrinsic motivation because again, chasing the carrots or, you know, bringing out the paddle and pushing them with the fear-based incentives or um, even the extrinsic benefits aren't enough, right? And, and, the, and, and really the world has changed, the corporate world, SaaS sales, everything has changed over the past two years. And more and more, uh, we're, we're what, we went through the great resignation, the great reshuffling, now we're in the great sabbatical. Yep. Um, these things have manifested because there is too much fear-based chasing. I'm mm-hmm. doing this because I am scared of somebody else, right? Love I'm scared it. of losing my job. I'm scared of not making my quota. I'm scared about this or that. I'm scared about I, I'm going to lose my place on the leaderboard. Peace and calm and tranquility, but also intense effort and work and focus and the excitement in the morning. That has to come through intrinsic personal motivation, and you gotta unlock that compass. You gotta give your your sellers the tools so that they can discover these things for themselves. Again, not follow a playbook. They're too intelligent to follow somebody else's playbook. They need to create their own playbook, and the best way to do that is help them think through these things through simple frameworks that everybody can understand and digest. And, and bring it back to things that they personally understand. That's gold. All right. So now we're going to hit rewind. I'm down to like 12, 13 minutes. I can't believe how fast 45 minutes is flying. By. <laughs> I, I hope that you'll be willing to come back second half of the year and let's explore some more, man. Absolutely. But, um, I want to talk about your tea and temper. I love temper, by the way. Yes. I, I can see why you lead with that time. It's our scarcest resource. Yep. Um, it is... It is the thing that if we get right, will help us the most. Now, yep. There's millions of sayings around it. Everybody can spend it, but you can't get it back. I mean, there's, there's right. millions. Right. Of Any tips to leaders on how do you address this time thing? Um, because I think that you're smart to have it be first, but I'd love to get a little more color from you. You got 20,000 sales leaders that are listening to you. How do yeah. you help those sellers, those members of your team really be intentional about time? Yeah, the, the the best way to be intentional about your time is to under is to track it. You got to first start with how you're spending your time before you can know what to do with it. Um, you know, I use this little thing, and you know, it's what called, is that? It's yeah, a, what it's, is that? It's a little time tracker. It's called Timeular, and there are a few out there where you can literally track your time and. You know, when when we we all became remote, I was actually using this thing before, but I was traveling a lot and it was hard to think about reminding me myself to use the app. But just by understanding how how much time I'm literally working, um, where my time is going, how many times I was going to meetings and how much time I was I was allowing myself for the real deep work, working on those strategic proposals, strategic documents and planning, building the systems the real work that moves the needle, that's when I started to really get good insights. And here's what I found. I found that for me personally in the strategic sales SaaS space, I thrived when my literal workday, it's not to say I worked eight out, uh, over an eight-hour day. I was working more across a 10-hour day, but I was literally working eight hours. That was enough. 
four hours, no more than four hours of meetings. If I did any more than four hours, because again, in my tracker, I was tracking my, my health data and my mood data. Oh, wow. And, and, and it all combined in this time that I was working, it all combined into a holistic, what I call a thrive score. And I wanted to optimize around the highest thrive scores. What, where was my health the highest? Where was my productivity the highest? And where was my mood the highest? And I could find that, okay, eight hours was my sweet spot of actually working with plenty of breaks built in, afternoon walks. Um, you know, I do the Pomodoro technique where I set a timer for 25 minutes, no multitasking. I wouldn't have my Slack up. I wouldn't have Google chat up. I wouldn't have email up. I would be focused on whatever it is that I'm doing. And you'd be amazed by how much you can get done when you set a timer and just work on something for 25 minutes, whether it's a proposal, strategic document, and you're not getting pulled over to this email or somebody might hit, be hitting you up on Slack. And then you divert your attention. Um, multitasking is the root of killing your time, but you won't know these things unless you track them and you're intentional and you're deliberate about it. So tracking it and then focusing on pruning your, your schedule down to what's optimal for you. What's giving you the most productivity? Where's your health? Is it affecting your sleep? Is it not? And is it affecting your mood? The only way to do that stuff is you got to track it. So I got to ask you a question. You know what? You know what question I'm going to ask because you lead salespeople. You've been part of sales. Um, how do you get salespeople to say, "Okay, I'll track it," but but I'm okay with it? I mean, this is an enrollment thing. How do you get yeah. people to do it? Because you got to get them to sign up. Like I, in my coaching model, I, I have a coaching yeah. framework, and it's an acronym kind of like what you have. Mine's called Empower, and E stands yeah. for Enroll. You got to yeah. get people to sign up. Any tr- any suggestions on how to get your reps to sign up? Because I know it's hard to get them to put notes into Salesforce. It's it's hard yeah. to get people to track stuff. They sales leaders, salespeople often hate being tracked. Yeah. And and so any tips on how to get your members of your team to say, I'll do a time audit, I'll I'll start tracking yeah. my time. The 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 big thing is they've got to they've got to do it for themselves and know that I'm not I, I I'm not if you track your time, I can't see it. I am literally giving you the tools to do this for yourself. And what I have found is proof is in the pudding that, hey, I've, I've done this myself and have been extremely successful. I am helping to share. I'm not saying it's going to be the panacea that you can have everything you want in your life. But if you want success and satisfaction, you got to systemize it. Here's a system to it. I don't care to see it. We'll be able to talk about the same things because you're tracking it on your own. I'm tracking it on my own. And when we come together in a one-on-one session, we'll be able to talk about, we're using the same semantics. What was your sleep? What's your sleep dead at? What is your um, Thrive score? What's your sweet spot? We're able to talk about the same thing, but I don't need to see your data. I don't need to track it because I look at you as a factory worker. You're a knowledge worker. You have a lot of knowledge. All I'm trying to do is give you the tools and you use the data. And I am here to help be your guide, be your Sherpa as you're climbing Mount Everest. I'm here to help you interpret the data in a meaningful way. 
but you've got to do it because you want success and you want satisfaction. That's why you're hired. That's why you're here. I believe in you. The company believes in you. You know, now you've got to ask yourself, do you believe in yourself? Here are tools to, to help you bring to light some of this information that's too hard to gather on our own. All right. So I'm down to like four minutes, man. And, um, and I'm pissed about it. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> literally, I'm like pissed about it. And to all of our listeners, I'm sorry that I don't have more time with Brandon today. Um, I'm going to ask you to finish maybe a little different way. I wanted to go explore a couple of things, but what you gave was so great. I, 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 I just, I'm going to change where we go. You just talked about belief. And so I want to, I want to finish on that for a second. Where does mindset fit into all this? And do you have any, like, like in these last couple of minutes, we're going to go back and we're going to make sure you get a chance to give everybody how to get a hold of you, join your newsletter, get a hold of the things that you have, get more of what you've got to offer. Cause I got a feeling there's a lot of people who are going to be interested in how you activate this, some of these things you've talked about. Okay. Sure. Any thoughts around mindset or belief or, 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 or you could go this way. I don't care which, cause we only got like four minutes. Any final thoughts to like sales leaders on think what's their role, anything they can do to help people make these choices? Because if you've chosen growth, then you will want to thrive. You will want to track those things. Any insights yeah. on how you help people make those choices so they can grow without burning out? Yeah. Um, he, here's one thing that I started doing again, uh, 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 that I think is a missed opportunity by a lot of sales leaders is putting yourself out there first to the public sphere. This, this kind concept that we hear from startups all the time, build in public, lead in public is what sales leaders should be doing. Your team, your company, your industry, you owe it to all of them to show them what you stand for. And that, to me, that means putting yourself out there, putting your thoughts out into the public sphere. It honestly makes things easier because your team will read it on LinkedIn. Your team will uh, you know, absorb that stuff. And again, it's a great way of systemizing your own beliefs, your own operating principles. What do you stand for? Um, are you advocating for constantly hustling and grinding? Because, or are you standing for, no, I believe in this idea of, of a craft in sales and, and integrating your life in a really intentional way, but how do people know that they're going to come to their own conclusion? Your, your, your sellers are going to come to that own conclusion, perhaps not even talking to you through talking through the other reps. And so that's why it's important that you make it. Uh, a, a part of every day to just put your thoughts out to, to the public sphere. Great places, LinkedIn. We know all your sellers are going there anyways. And what I have found is that by doing that consistently every day, putting my stream of consciousness out there, it's why we're talking. It's why I'm able to scale these ideas that I believe in, and I'm able to build a community around it. And the best place to start is your own community. Um, and again, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the public space, but but meaning you're putting your your thoughts out there that can be digested in a way um, even better if it's done asynchronously, where people can ingest it on their own time and not be forced to only interact with you on a weekly call. But by putting what you stand for out there, you make it much easier for people to 
build that mindset that, hey, all right, he's a human or she's a human. I can, I can relate to that. And so now I don't have to be fearful. I can, uh, I can be in an environment that allows me to show the more human side of me and be authentic and uh, take some risks because teams who have that psychological safety, it's been proven that they are, are better performers. I love it. Well, that's a great way to end. I'm not going to go into our rapid fire because of time. And we'll do that next time on sales leadership challenge and books and interviews. Cause I want to give time for people. How do I get more of you? Brent, Brent, this was even better than I expected. I had a high expectation for this conversation. It hit home and it resonated. Uh, we're going to have a lot of people that I hope will want to reach out to you. How, how do they learn more of you? How do they connect with you? How do they get to get some of the tools that you have to offer? Can you, can you share that with our listeners? Sure. So best way to uh, get in touch with me is just follow me on LinkedIn. I'm very active. I post uh, yep. every single day on LinkedIn. And it's great material, by the way. Things. I love following you. Yeah. And uh, brandonfluharty.com. Um, that's the best way to sign up for the Be Focus Live Great newsletter. Um, that's the... Say it again. What's the title of it? Uh, Be Focus Live Great. Love it. And uh, it's at brandonfluharty.com. Very simple. You can just input your email address there. And uh, every two weeks, you will get a newsletter where I deconstruct this concept of a personal operating system so that we can start thriving. And we'll put that link in the show notes so people can get it really easily as well. So if you're listening, look at the show notes, that link will be there. All right, man. Do you have a final thought? We've, we've taken all the time and then some. This has been fantastic. You got like one final thought you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, it's just remember, human, we're humans first, sellers second. Uh, you know, life has changed for everyone, uh, the corporate world, the individual world over the past two years. Let's optimize. It's time to finally optimize around the human elements. And surprisingly, that will help boost the, the sales results. So human first, seller second. I love it. Brandon Fluherty, he, uh, he's choosing frameworks over playbooks. He's helping be hu- people be human first and seller second. And he's helping people have the best years of their life without sacrificing what matters most. And I believe that's our role as sales leaders. So we have a lot we can learn from Brandon. If you aren't already, take my advice and follow him, connect with him, reach out to him. Uh, He'll help you be a better leader. He'll help you do better yourself. Uh, So Brandon, thank you so much for an incredible conversation. And like I said, everybody, happy selling. Thanks, Rob. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. And if you're like most sales leaders, you've got killer sales process, proven sales tools, and great sales training in place, but you've probably been left on your own to figure out the sales leadership process, your sales leadership tools, and your sales leadership training. And while I've learned that there's no shortcuts to success, you for sure can get there faster if you take the most direct route. And if you like the content of this podcast, you're going to love the content in Sales Leadership United. It's my community for sales leaders. I want you to think of it as a Home Depot for sales leaders, and you can find it on Patreon. 
We have video experts of this interview and all of our podcasts all broken down into three to six uh, minute segments. They're all tagged and organized by topic to help you in your leadership journey. At Sales Leadership United, you're going to find my very best content. It's over 100 hours of sales leadership training materials, uh, sales meeting materials that are ready to go, sales leadership curriculum, a private podcast where I share what I'm working on with other sales, and, and more trainings and, and, and insights. You can find everything you need to become an elite sales leader in Sales Leadership United. So don't go reinventing sales leadership. Tap into proven training and techniques used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world and head to Sales Leadership United. Now, we've had some amazing guests on the show, particularly in these last few months, but I've been looking forward to this one in particular. Finding ways to grow without sacrificing everything to the grind, that's a topic that's more important now than it's ever been before. Brandon started this conversation with an insight that we can all learn from. He had some personal challenges that came as a direct result of him going all in on the grind. I can totally relate to it. But Brandon's story gets really interesting when he talks about how he built a personal operating system. And then as a result, he was able to face down big goals that previously created massive pressure. But with his new approach... He shared, like at the very beginning of this conversation, that when he looked at those goals, he felt calm and he felt invigorated. Giant challenges, but calm and invigorated. Now, that got my attention, and I sure hope it got your attention, too. Uh, if you didn't catch that, go back and listen to it again, because it's, it's super meaningful. Because if we can have every member of our team approaching the challenges and opportunities of this year with calm and invigoration... We can help them have a different kind of impact and a different kind of success in every part of their lives. And it's not just the professional part of their life. It's, it's the whole person, not just the salesperson. I've said that a lot. Um, Brandon brought that up, uh, human first, salesperson second. I, I, I think it's so important we can't overplay that. Um, and so... Brandon says that it was important for him to make some very intentional changes and that when he did it, it made it so he was no longer caught in that hamster wheel and just grinding. And as he looked back, he realized he needed to operate differently. And that's what led him to redefining how he could measure performance. It was less on activities and effort and more on what made a difference. And as a result, Brandon created several frameworks to help him fuel fulfillment and meaningful work. You should ask yourself that. Is, is that what I'm doing? Am I fueling fulfillment and meaningful work or am I checking boxes and making sure that I'm working hard or harder than anybody that's around me? Because those are, those are the kinds of sources of fuel that are fleeting. They don't create sustained success. And so that led him to talking about frameworks versus playbooks. And you've heard me talk about that. And, and I'm a big believer in frameworks. Um, I think frameworks are far superior to playbooks. Playbooks often lead to robotic approaches uh, to how people conduct activities. But I found that frameworks can be applied in ways that create predictability, but allow individuals to use the structure in ways unique to the strengths and needs of each individual. So I can't say it better than he did. Um, here's what he said. The leader the reason that a leader should consider frameworks is because elite sales leaders help sellers learn to think, not just follow orders. Playbooks don't help you think or pivot. They just tell you what to say or do. 
the playbook playbook doesn't really serve the salesperson. I love how he got into it. It serves the rev ops person. And I talk about this with my large customers all the time. It's large companies need these guardrails in place to try and keep people into a kind of a band that they can live with. But they don't really teach you how to think. They for sure don't teach you how to pivot. But frameworks do. Frameworks do help you think. And that's important because salespeople got to be able to think when they're on a call. They got to be able to pivot when they're talking to a customer. And that's what led to Brandon developing those three frameworks. I'm not going to go review and regurgitate all those. You can go listen to it. You should go take notes. You should reach out to Brandon and get those things directly from him. Um, I do think you should write them down. Uh, I'll put videos of all of those in Sales Leadership United so you can go watch them say it and, and, and have those as a resource as well. Temper was about how you make decisions. DFC is about how you plan a work day. Prep is how you execute. I loved it. Those three are so good. And, you know, when you have something that makes sense, it usually means that you're on to something. It doesn't have to be complex. In fact, if it is, you should be very careful before you start thinking about using it. Here's my advice. Go look at Brandon's operating system. Go look at his three frameworks. See how you can use these to help you achieve more without sacrificing everything you have to the grind. I think if you look through these lenses, the way Brandon has shared them, uh, it can potentially change everything for you. It'll change how you plan. It'll change how you prioritize. It'll change your relationship with feedback. It'll change how you succeed. So my advice, apply this to yourself first. Because as so many of our guests have pointed out, and as Brandon did at the end today too, your reps are watching you. And when they see you take control of how you plan, execute, and perform – uh, and they see your impact start to grow and change, they're going to be more open to it. Elite leaders go first. That's one of the hallmarks. They go first. So build your operating system. Since I had this conversation with Brandon, I've implemented some of what he shared already, and I'm seeing almost immediate benefits as a result. And as you help become a better, more efficient, more optimized version of you, your performance will rise. But Brandon's correct. You do have to do work hard, okay? This isn't about like an easy way to get there. You're going to have to work hard. I guess the point is you don't have to work hard at the sacrifice of everything else, okay? And as you help everybody operate more effectively, as you share that with the members of your team, their results will change very quickly too. And as everybody starts changing quickly, the whole team will rise, and that's when you start having these life-changing years. So help them find and articulate their internal They're intrinsic motivators, not just the external ones. And if you do that, if you can help them orient this like a North Star to what they care about, you're going to see them change right in front of your eyes. And they're going to find more fulfillment in what they do. And as you help them discover their own operating systems by helping them think, then, then, then you'll be creating life-changing years for those you lead. So Brandon, my man, thank you so much for joining me. This was a very unique conversation and one that will help every single listener who chooses to discover their own personal operating system. Learning how to grow without depending on the grind is one of the most important topics we can talk about right now. And if you aren't following Brandon, connect with him. Go look at my show notes in this episode and you're going to see there's a link where you can get on his newsletter, you can get more access to his materials and and ways to help you build your operating framework. Brandon's someone who will help every person listening to this show become a better sales leader. So, Brandon, thank you. This was such an enlightening and energizing conversation, and I'm grateful to you for it. Finally, thank you to each of you, our listeners. This group has gotten big. 
And I love to hear from you. And if you liked this episode, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long way in helping me continue to get the best guests in the world on our show. But the best compliment you can give me is to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share the show with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite. Live strong. Chase your passions. And don't worry. Just execute. Because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.